What's up, cyber and crypto friends? Hope everybody's having a great week so far. Today is Tuesday, December 17th of 2019. And this is episode number 97 of the Cybersecurity and Cryptocurrency Podcast. I'm your host, Eric English. All the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely my opinions and do not reflect those of my employers. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy. All right, so found some cool stuff to talk about today, and we'll just dive right into a lot of this stuff. Of course, there's... You know some of the same, some of the same uh, repeat topics, uh, like ransomware and, of course, data leaks and all kinds of fun things like that. So those are still, of course, something that we're going to talk about. We're also going to talk about uh, the whole Facebook debacle with employee data, and they've kind of dug into that a little bit further to find out the root cause. So we'll talk about that as well. And I saw an article today, too, about uh, uh, some, I guess he's some big hotshot guy in in cybersecurity saying that crypto jacking is emerging threat. And I I guess I disagree with that, but I'll I'll talk about that as well. There's also a pretty big iOS bug that was patched, uh, basically causing a denial of service. I'll talk about that, too. I'll briefly touch on Visa and their their warning that they issued about gas pumps. And I'll also talk about some of the tools that uh, have been coming out on kitploit.com. A lot of cool stuff there. Another pretty big topic this week, or I guess this was almost last week. Uh, the company Nginx, they make a lot of the uh, popular web server software. Like next to Apache, they're kind of, I'd say, 1A, 1B. Uh, Nginx offices were raided by Russian police. So we'll talk about that as well. And we're also going to talk about the new Intel CPU attack. Just what we need, right? Another one of those. And the last thing in cybersecurity, this was a pretty weird one, but 20 uh, VPS providers just all of a sudden shut down. So we'll talk about that and what potentially happened with them. But that's a huge number of those guys, and if you were hosting anything there, you're kind of SOL now. That's pretty jacked. Sidebar topic in InfoSec, uh, or cybersecurity, I should say. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, organizational uh, reporting structure as it relates to cybersecurity and the cybersecurity function within the organization. And I guess I'm going to give my opinions on you know, what the most ideal reporting structure would be. And so we'll dive into that too, because I've seen a lot of different companies doing it a lot of different ways. And um, I've always had, I guess I've always had the same opinion, but uh, I'll dive into that too. On the uh, cryptocurrency side of things, we're going to talk about how much my Bitcoin wallet hurts. Of course, the prices have been quite crappy and very volatile. Of course, that's the way it goes. But we'll definitely talk about that, what's causing all these fluctuations and and where it's hopefully going to go from here. We'll also talk briefly about Bitcoin Lightning Network and some proof of sale or point of sale uh, systems that they're trying to implement. So we'll talk about that real quick. We're also going to talk about the, the Keybase airdrop. Keybase is a place where you can do secure messaging and 
do code repos and all kinds of stuff like that. Well, they were doing an airdrop using Stellar, and uh, that was quite the fiasco, so we'll talk about that too. And that's essentially it for the cryptocurrency side of things. So let's dive right in here to some cybersecurity topics. Uh, I saw this one today, Blue Cross Blue Shield. Apparently there's a whistleblower that uh, was warning the public about some cybersecurity vulnerabilities that are apparently abundant at Blue Cross Blue Shield. This one's interesting because, you know, the whistleblower types oftentimes get a bad rap. And what do you do? Do you believe the whistleblower? Is the whistleblower trying to make somebody look bad? Are they doing something that might benefit them? You know, it's hard to say, really. But basically, the whistleblower said that he's concerned, or he or she is concerned, uh, about some of the systems that Blue Cross Blue Shield left uh, vulnerable to attack, and they were neglecting to make a whole bunch of important changes and updates and patches and all kinds of good stuff like that. And apparently there were some internal documents that were uh, leaked as a part of this. And there was all kinds of warnings to executives uh, stating that 200,000 vulnerabilities were deemed critical or severe. And those 200,000 were basically just not addressed by anybody. They were just sitting there. They weren't getting patched. And they were ignoring it for the most part, it looks like. It also shows that some of this uh, vulnerability stuff goes all the way back to August of 2018. So apparently the cybersecurity engineer there uh, was running some sort of vulnerability scans. And he's you know realizing, oh my God, there's so many vulnerabilities. That i got to tell all these executives. And then the executives ignore him. Well, now he's going to go blow the whistle and, and warn everybody. So anyway, that was a, a quite interesting topic. I mean, you can think of like Edward Snowden comes to mind. That was a massive whistleblower thing. Of course, totally different than this. But uh, that was kind of the first thing that came to my mind when I saw that. But, you know, to, to see that Blue Cross Blue Shield is doing this and, you know, not addressing vulnerabilities... I can't say that I'm too terribly surprised, and I and I hate the fact that that's true, but that that's the world that we live in nowadays. If it doesn't affect the bottom line, most of the time executives don't care. They don't care to fix it. IT is just a burden. It's an overhead expense. It's not really it's not really looked at as part of the overall function of the business. It's more of just an overhead cost and and an expense and a necessary evil a lot of times. So anyway, if you have a Blue Cross Blue Shield insurance plan, you might want to ask some questions to them. All right, some other news here. This was just an interesting one. I don't know a lot about it, but apparently there's this Chinese uh, company slash product called Light LN or Light in the Box. Excuse me. Yeah, Light in the Box. And they apparently leaked... Uh, one terabyte of customer data online. So, of course, that's a pretty big leak there. But I've never even heard of this company. But uh, apparently it's a... Sorry, it's a Chinese retailer. Excuse me. Supposedly they got a pretty big North American fan base. But I've never heard of these people. Light in the box. So, anyway. One terabyte of data was leaked from those guys. So, not a good look for them. 
And speaking of data leaks, the whole uh, Facebook thing with employee data getting leaked. So they, they kind of dug in, the reporters did, and they found that uh, a hard drive was stolen from an employee's car, you know, smash and grab kind of situation. And these records were on a hard drive that was completely unencrypted. <laughs> Whoopsies. My questions are, why would anybody be taking HR data outside of the network? And especially if they were going to take it outside the network, why was it not encrypted? I just question why, what was the need to be taking that, that information off network? That's the part I'm really concerned about. And I don't even work for Facebook, <laughs> but that's uh, certainly unfortunate there. But smash and grabs happen all the freaking time. I mean, that's such a common thing. And you would think that as, you know, anybody working in IT in general, if you're going to leave a backpack in a car, guess what? Your, your car is going to get broken into and your laptop and your backpack are probably going to get stolen. It, it seems very obvious to me, but, you know, maybe that's not so obvious for others. But uh, anyway, I thought that was interesting that they... They got it from a smash and grab. And it's actually kind of surprising, too, that the people that did the smash and grab actually looked at the contents of the hard drive. I was always under the impression that, you know, the people that are doing the smash and grabs don't give a damn what's on the hard drive. They just want to go make some money off of pawning the thing. So that was interesting that they actually looked at the contents there. All right. I saw some other news here about crypto jacking. There's a guy named Jeff Wilbur. And he's basically saying that it's an emerging threat that parallels the rise of cryptocurrency, but has flown largely under the radar. I couldn't disagree more with that statement. Uh, crypto jacking has been around since crypto mining, you know, was even available, really. Um, yeah, it's, we're getting more of it now, but it's it's been prevalent for the last, at least the last year and a half, two years, at least. I mean, I remember instances of it further back than that, but this guy is saying it's an emerging threat all of a sudden. It's December 2019, guy. I'm sorry, but that's been a, a threat for quite a while now. It's not just an emerging threat. So I don't quite understand why you know, he's saying it's an emerging threat. This has been an ongoing thing. So anyway, I just thought it was more misinformation than anything else on that particular topic but apparently he's a big shot guy and he knows a lot but i've seen it go back way farther and it's not an emerging threat it's 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 been going on quite a bit the the deal now is though that we're able to catch it more we're learning about more of these instances that have happened so maybe that's what he thinks is the emerging threat we're detecting it more, so now more reports of it are coming out. So he thinks, oh, there's there's an emerging threat here. But it's not. It's been around for a while. All right. So here's an interesting one, too, about iOS, Apple iOS. There was a vulnerability called AirDOS, or Air Denial of Service. And essentially, you could use the AirDrop feature and do a denial of service. <laughs> And it could lock users out of their iPhones or their iPads. So Apple did patch it. It's in uh, iOS 13.3 with a fix for that. So 
Thought that was interesting there. Nice denial of service vulnerability for all the Apple fans out there. But looks like it's a pretty easy, easy fix there. All right, some other news here about some ransomware. Man, I see a lot more of these articles about ransomware. And it's it's also not an emerging threat, in case you're wondering. It's been going on for a while, of course. And this one was specifically about dentists, but also specifically about an IT provider that did the IT work for the dentists. So that's where this really gets scary. If, if they're hacking into the IT provider to then, you know, infect their clients. That's where this is really, really getting scary there. So anyway, Krebs on Security also came out with an article about this exact same thing. Uh, He's got a ton of details in his article, but, you know, they were trying not to pay the ransom, and, you know, the ransom was different with each one of these dentists. Um, So it's quite interesting to see... Now, I don't see anywhere about the... Oh, wait, here we go. The uh, IT company is called Complete Technology Solutions, or CTS. So they were d- doling out some ransomware to their dentist's clients, and man, that is that is a tough pill to swallow. Tough pill to swallow there. And apparently, I guess it was more than 100 different dentist's offices. Oh, man. Ouch. Ouch. Anyway, that was that was a bad one there. If you used outsourced IT services, here's here's your wake up call. You better make damn sure that they've got awesome security controls. Cause otherwise this exact same thing could happen to you. And it's 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 quite common, unfortunately, but you know, this is this is the world that we live in and and really, the, the IT providers should be very much concerned about security because they do touch so many different networks and they have remote access a lot of the times. And so they should be using two-factor and, and they should be, you know, ensuring that their passwords are good and that they're encrypting data every chance they get. And, you know, they're not plugging in malicious flash drives on accident or whatever it is, you know. Um, so anyway, you would think that these... IT providers would do that kind of stuff, but unfortunately, and apparently, they do not in all cases. Oh, real quick, I saw this one too about some GDPR. Uh, Germany recently uh, gave out one of the biggest uh, GDPR fines that they've ever given out. So that was interesting. There, they've they basically gave out about ten million. In uh, GDPR fines, apparently that's the biggest fine that they've done uh, in the last few years at least. So to me, that seems kind of like a slap on the wrist, depending on the size of the company. But, you know, who knows? I guess it's massive. Uh, If it's a smaller company, that's huge, of course. I saw some other news here about Visa. And you know how I love those warnings that they come out with. (laughs) Well, Visa is now warning of point-of-sale malware incidents at gas pumps across North America. <laughs> Come on, guys. Seriously, is this, is this a new emerging threat, too? Seriously, man, this has been around forever. Why is why are we just now getting a warning from Visa about this stuff? Ay, 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 man. <laughs> Makes me laugh because it's just such a joke. It's like, dude, this has been going on for so long. Where the hell have you been? Anyway, 
Visa is now warning everybody about these point-of-sale malware uh, incidents at gas pumps. Again, just reinforces the fact why you never use your debit card. Ever. <laughs> always, always, always use that credit card. All right, I saw some pretty cool tools out there on Kitploit, too. Um, Exploitivator was one of them. It's an automated uh, metasploit scanning and exploitation tool. That was really cool. Um, I've tinkered around with it a little bit, and, you know, that's that's some pretty slick stuff there. I've been a real big fan of all the stuff that's out there on Kitploit, and you know, every time I look out there, there's something cool out there that I haven't ever seen before. Uh, there's also uh, what they call Cyber Range. It's an open source AWS Cyber Range uh, for testing your cybersecurity skills, apparently. And this is also out there on kitploit.com. So, anyway, cool stuff out there, really. If, if you haven't gone out there and looked, check it out. They got really cool tools to tinker around with and and uh, certainly makes, makes cybersecurity more interesting to see, you know, how the community is taking these tools and automating them or enhancing other things or combining tools or whatever so super cool stuff right there all right so i mentioned at the top of the show that nginx was raided um, the moscow office in russia was raided and you know they're a massive web server company but apparently this was over a copyright infringement complaint so there's apparently a whole bunch of reports uh, about this copyright infringement complaint. So uh, a lot of different companies apparently are now trying to sue them for this apparently. So this is interesting here. I, I had no idea. And I, I figured, you know, it's a web server. People can do whatever the hell they want to with it. How How is there a copyright issue? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But anyway, there's more details there. Uh, in the article, so I'll post that in the show notes there if you want to check that out. I don't think it's going to affect Nginx at all, really. It's certainly not going to affect availability of your websites or anything like that if you use that, so nothing really too crazy to worry about there. All right, so some other news here about... <laughs> we remember Spectre Meltdown, don't we? Well, here's some other news here about an Intel flaw that affects a bunch of the modern Intel CPUs. And they're calling it a plunder vault attack where they can basically undervolt the CPU, uh, not give it as much voltage as it needs to, and then use that to steal highly sensitive information. So, hey, there you go, Intel. There's another one for you. Rack that up with your Spectre and Meltdown issues too. And the last uh, article that I wanted to talk about in cybersecurity was the uh, 20 different uh, web hosting providers that just all of a sudden shut down. And they're basically claiming that this was part of a cyber attack. And I'm wondering if this was just like a huge, you know, ransomware thing that all 20 of these got hit with some ransomware and they just couldn't recover. I don't know. I mean, this is this is crazy to, to read about this. They just completely shut down. And close their doors, and they said they're going to wipe all of their servers. I mean, holy crap. <laughs> That's crazy. So some of the providers were uh, Arca Hosting, Bigfoot Servers, DCN Host, N3 Servers, Strong Hosting, Megazone Hosting. Uh, again, there's a whole bunch of others listed in here. But, 
you know, of course, these are some fly-by-night companies, and, you know, I'm sure that they were making money off of Black Friday, you know, Cyber Monday kind of promotions and stuff, and apparently they all got some sort of cyber attack, or they all got infected with something. Maybe it was a ransomware. There's, there's really no indication in any of the articles that I found about what exactly happened. But it was big enough that they completely shut it down. <laughs> so that was interesting there. It's just one more reason to not use some fly-by-night company you've never heard of. Always want to use the the top-name companies that you know are going to be around for a while. Unless you don't care about your data getting lost, then, of course, get the cheapest deal with the fly-by-night company. <laughs> All right, sidebar topic was about the reporting structure of the cybersecurity function uh, at, at an organization. And I've seen it done a lot of different ways, and I just kind of wanted to chime in on my two cents there and for what it's worth. But I see a lot of times that the cybersecurity function itself and all the people working in cybersecurity report to another IT manager. Uh, let's say it's like a infrastructure manager of some sort. And so the the whole cybersecurity function is going to report to that infrastructure person. Well, what if that infrastructure person is trying to hide something from, you know, his boss, which could be a, you know, a CTO or whatever it is? Well, guess what? He's going to try to hide that thing and there's no accountability because hey, the cybersecurity folks reported it to the, their boss, which is the infrastructure manager. And that infrastructure manager could decide to, you know, hey, I'm not going to share this. And if you go say anything to the CTO, I'm not going to give you a raise or a bonus this year. I mean, there's a lot of things that, that I think could come out of that kind of stuff. And that's, of course, I'm worst case scenario guy, and I get that too. But those are the kind of, of issues that I see with, a lot of the reporting structures out there for cybersecurity. In a perfect world, if everything is great and grand and wonderful in a perfect world, cybersecurity is its own little silo, and it should be reporting directly to a CIO, CTO, CISO, whatever it is. But there shouldn't be anybody in between that that could, you know, especially somebody that could, you know, influence some of the things that get reported to that CIO. Of course, the CIO wants the best for or the CTO, whatever. They want the best for the entire organization, but they're not, they don't have some specific agenda about something they're trying to hide. In most cases, of course. So anyway, I, I've always been of the mindset that there needs to be accountability. And if the cybersecurity function reports directly to a C-level executive, that's the accountability. And that that cybersecurity group can now be completely agnostic to any sort of influence. They're not going to be influenced by an infrastructure manager or a, a service desk manager, whatever it is. They're not going to be influenced by them to withhold any information. And therefore, you're going to get a lot more accountability and a lot more honesty and transparency within the organization. That, again, this is perfect world and, you know, it's my two cents, but... I just see a lot of folks doing it that way, and I, I just feel like that's, I feel like it's the wrong way to go. Really, it, it cybersecurity should be separated from all those things, 
And, you know, even have it report to somebody completely different, like CFO. I've even seen that sometimes. Anyway, you could even fold it under a, a legal risk compliance umbrella as well for cybersecurity. Anyway, that's just my two cents. I, I see a lot of that, and the debate is always heavy, and I'm always like, well, why wouldn't you just have it siloed off, and that way it can hold everybody accountable. It doesn't matter what department you're in in IT. If the cybersecurity function is autonomous and you know they're not having to report to one of those other people in IT, they can be completely honest and transparent with the C-level executives. So anyway, my two cents there on cybersecurity org structures. And again, it's my two cents on how it should be done in a perfect world. All right, let's jump over to cryptocurrency. Does your Bitcoin wallet hurt yet? Oh man, mine does. Bitcoin went down to 6,600. And man, that, that is painful. Ethereum's at 121. Ripple is at 18 cents. Oh man, this is just brutal. Brutal, brutal prices. And you know, a lot of the analysts are saying that we have to hit certain numbers to be able to break out of this stuff. The the number from the other day when we were at about 7,000, the number was 7,300 in order to break out of this drop that we're having. Uh, obviously, the 7,300 didn't happen, and then we dropped to 6,800, and then we recently just dropped again to 6,600. So those prices really, really hurt everybody's Bitcoin wallets out there, and I feel your pain because that's, that's a tough one to watch there, but... I'm still going to hold on. and Either way, Bitcoin's still up double since the beginning of this year. So I guess technically it's still a win potentially. But anyway, certainly sad to see those prices dip so much. Some other news here in cryptocurrency. I saw this the other day that uh, the Bitcoin Lightning Network is now apparently going to be used on some point-of-sale systems and point-of-sale apps. So that's good. But will it actually work for large retailers? I don't know. Will anybody buy into it? I don't know. That's the hard part about all this. But apparently all the Bitcoin-savvy retailers are, are going to try this out and, and see how it goes. But I'll be interested to see how many retailers actually continue with it. And, I mean, I even reported a couple of weeks ago that the Bitcoin Lightning Network had a bunch of vulnerabilities in it. I mean, you're going to go ahead and implement this in your production environment for your point-of-sale systems, and, you know, there was a bunch of vulnerabilities found in the Bitcoin Lightning Network. Eey, yikes. <laughs> it makes me uneasy for sure, but, of course, I'm a security guy, so it all makes me uneasy. But anyway, that was an interesting little tidbit there. So Bitcoin Lightning is still getting a lot of praise. So we'll see. we'll see what happens with that one there. Uh, another really interesting cybersecurity, uh, I'm sorry, cryptocurrency um, article that came out here was about Keybase. And if you've never used Keybase, it's a pretty cool little app. Um, I'm not real, I'm not a real big fan of the way it's laid out, the app itself, but uh, it does have end-to-end -end, uh, encrypted messaging, and you can also put uh, Git repos out there and all kinds of good stuff. You can also, what they call, prove your identity. And if you post a certain 
thing on your Twitter. Uh, Keybase will go out there and validate that that's definitely you. You can also put something in your website, DNS entries, and so on and so forth to validate that you actually are who you say you are on there. So that's kind of cool too. But they were doing a Stellar Lumens giveaway, and they were going to give away a crap ton of Stellar. I mean a crap ton. I want to say it was 300 million um, Stellar Lumens, which is... 16 million dollars so excuse me the the advertised initial airdrop was supposed to be two billion stellar and now we're actually only going to release 300 million stellar lumens and that is worth 16 million bucks and the you know the airdrop concept was great the problem was if anybody got wind of it and a lot of people did everybody and their mom started creating accounts out there fake accounts you name it just to get in on part of this airdrop and to the point where it was essentially just overloading keybase and they decided to pull the plug because they said you know what we don't want all these fake accounts in here we want real people that are actually going to use the platform, not just a bunch of dormant accounts that are never going to get used. So they went ahead and put a stop to the giveaway and the airdrop. Uh, They are finishing that airdrop here over the last uh, two or three days. It started on the 15th. They did a previous airdrop on November the 15th, and they were supposed to continue like into March or April. But this one that just started on December 15th will be the final airdrop. Uh, coming from Keybase. Uh, those are typically run over a three or four day period. Just, you know, it takes a while for the their bots to get through and, and make all those payments to every single Keybase user. But it's unfortunate to see that. But of course, you know, people are going to take advantage of it if you let them. And that's exactly what people did. Uh, Keybase allowed it to where basically if you if you referred somebody and you were already eligible and you referred somebody... Uh, to Keybase, that would in turn make them eligible. And so, of course, a bunch of people signed up, and here you go. <laughs> so anyway, that one's sad. I was I was enjoying that uh, while it lasted, of course, but it is no more now, unfortunately. So that's the way it goes, I guess. Not surprised. There's always something like that with with crypto, some sort of scam or, you know, a bunch of people got to ruin it for everybody else. Just the way it goes. All right, folks, that's all I got for today. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy, at CyberCryptoGuy on Twitter. Check me out on there. I retweet a bunch of the articles that we talk about here on the show. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk again soon.